0: The following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. Welcome to those who are here in person. It's a blessing to see you all, and Pastor Odell and Mrs. Odell. For those who are online joining us this morning, I think your presence may almost be larger than ours. But uh, that's okay. We're grateful for that technology and that you guys can just remotely. And uh, we are praying for you, that you stay safe and well. And for those who aren't feeling well, that you, uh, you begin to feel better quite soon. Turn with me now to Isaiah chapter 11. We'll have our scripture reading for this morning. Isaiah chapter 11. Follow along with me as I, as I read in, in your Bible there. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Pause for a moment to make sure we understand whom we're talking about here. Prophet Isaiah mentions, there shall come forth a rod. From the stem of Jesse, who was David's father, we understand Isaiah to be prophesying of the coming Messiah, a rod, a branch that will grow out of the roots, that is the lineage of Jesse, of David, from the Messianic line, and the character qualities of which will be upon this one, this rod, which is that the spirit shall rest upon him, spirit of wisdom and understanding, as he describes, of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Verse 3, it says, His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the ears of his ears, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor, decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt of his waist. We need to be understanding and careful to know that uh, as we've recently celebrated the coming of the Messiah, that uh, Isaiah is not foretelling merely the incarnation of Christ, but a coming king. King. A future king, which, has, king which will come and reign with power and might. Amen. And so Isaiah is foretelling the second coming of our king, Sir. King Jesus, our Christ. Verse 6, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. This doesn't characterize the kind of world in which we live now, does it? Not at this point at least, but a future time. Verse 9, they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as the banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. It shall come pass to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people who are left. Brother James talked about the people this morning of this kind, the people of Israel, whom the Lord still does love, though they have forsaken him. There is a remnant, as the brother acknowledges. From Assyria and Egypt, from Pathros and Cush from Elam and Shinar from Hamath and the islands of the sea, he will set up a banner for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Also, the envy of Ephraim shall depart and the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah, and Judah shall not harass Ephraim. But they shall fly down upon the shoulder of the Philistines toward the west. Together they shall plunder the people of the east. They shall lay their hand on Edom and Moab, and the people of Ammon shall obey them. The Lord will utterly destroy the tongue of the sea of Egypt. With his mighty wind, he will shake his fist over the river. And strike it in the seven streams and make men cross over dry shod. There will be a highway for the remnant of this people who will be left from Assyria as it was for Israel in the day that he came up from the land of Egypt. So we await that time in which the Lord will fulfill his promises to the nation of Israel. In which we will also inherit the blessing of his presence and ruling with him. And until that day, we work and we wait, and we fulfill the mission that he has given us. And a part of that is our attendance and our semblance today to worship the King, the coming King, that is, and our Messiah, who has given to us an exceedingly great gift, our salvation.
1: Pastor Odell, please come and share with us. Well, I would like to. Uh, add my thanks to uh, the previous expressions of gratitude from your pastor and from Jansen Uh, your church has been so kind and open and generous uh, to my wife and I and we just appreciate your friendship and appreciate all that you've meant to us especially in these last several years as uh, we have uh, not been full-time in the pulpit, uh, but we are really grateful for this church, so we're glad to have you here. I'm glad to be here with you today, uh, both those who are present with us in the congregation and those who are joining us by uh, the Internet. Uh, my good friend Thurman, I have a request for you. Turn in your Bible to John chapter 14, and I'm going to have you come up in just a minute and read just John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4 for us. Uh, So as you're turning to that, I'm going to be open and transparent with you this morning. I got the call inviting me to come and speak to you today last night. Uh, so if you're expecting a well-crafted sermon this morning, uh, I will disappoint you, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm just going to share with you what is on my heart, but what amazes me, and it, and it has over the years that uh, I have been preaching and pastoring, uh, Is how God leads and directs. I hope. I I don't know if you live streamed the Sunday school lesson this morning. Dwayne, did you? Okay. I hope you had turned into that because that was a wonderful preamble for what the Lord has laid on my heart to share with you this morning. Uh, From the book of Amos. Uh, Brother Wiggins uh, brought a wonderful Sunday school lesson, and uh, it really goes right into what the Lord has laid upon my heart this morning as, as well. If you are looking for a title for the message this morning, uh, I would say that the title would be, Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled. Uh It'll be interesting to me uh, to see online a little later how your uh, pastor kind of summarizes the message this morning, (laughs) since it is not as well designed and crafted as some messages are. uh, I noticed that when he puts it online, he always puts a little synopsis. They're introducing what the message was about, and so it'll be interesting to see what he comes up with (laughs) after today. But uh, if we have a title, it is Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled." How many of you are, and we're just having a conversation here, so don't just sit there uh, and uh, stare at me. Uh, I want you to respond. By raising your hand, how many of you are glad that the year 2020 is over with? Let me see your hand. Practically everybody here this morning. Uh, I have been alive for a quarter of a century. I have never seen a year like 2020. In my 75 years of life, There has been a general attitude that I've had at the beginning of every new year. I think it's kind of typical amongst most people. Uh, And it is an attitude of new beginning, fresh start. Boy, things are going to be better. Well, I've got good news for you this year. 2020 likely isn't going to be any better than 20, or 2021 is not going to likely be any better than 2020. In fact, uh, there is every possibility that it will be worse. Uh, the man who is identifying himself as the president-elect of our great nation has been talking about a dark winter coming up. A dark year. And it's very possible that that is what we are facing. I'm really not going to teach you this morning. I'm going to try to encourage you. Uh, I'm, I'm really going to try to challenge you this morning rather than really teaching. You have, you have a great teaching pastor here. Jansen has come on board recently, done a good job of teaching. You've got others in the church that I've heard from time to time that are excellent teachers. So I'm really not going to try to teach you this morning. I just want to challenge you. I want to encourage you this morning for what we're about to face. And so with that in mind, Thurman, if you will come. And read for us John Chapter fourteen, verses one through four.
2: All right, Saint John fourteen, one through four. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If that were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And I go and prepare a place for you if I go. I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Where I go, you know, and the way you know. St. John 14. Thank you, Thurman.
1: Now, you may wonder why I had Thurman come up and read that. Basically, um, I have to print up my Bible verses that I'm going to use in the pulpit anymore because my eyesight is so bad that um, I have to print it in larger print than even what my large print Bible prints in. And uh, my, my Bible also, is, that passage is written in red, which makes it even harder for me to read. So that's why I had Thurman come up and read it this morning. But what it's talking about there in John chapter 14 is the rapture. I will come again and receive you unto myself, the Lord said. Now I'll be up front with you and, and let you know where I'm coming from. I believe wholeheartedly in a premillennial pre-tribulation rapture. I believe that the Lord is going to come in the clouds and receive us up to be with Him in the clouds before the great tribulation period for the seven years of the tribulation period. Now I know that there that is not a growing interpretation of Scripture in our day. In fact it is a diminishing interpretation of Scripture. There are many, many in churches all across our land uh who are denying a pre-tribulation rapture. But I that's where I'm coming from. I believe that God says what he means and means what he says. I believe that we need to take God's word in its plain sense meaning. Uh, David Cooper years ago came up with the golden rule of interpretation. If the plain sense makes sense, seek no other sense, is the golden rule of interpretation. Some have added, lest it mean nonsense. When we start interpreting Scripture any way we want to, it does lead to nonsense. Believing as I do in a pre-tribulation rapture. I think it is clear because there is a clear distinction between the pre-tribulation rapture and the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's what we read about in the book of Revelation chapter 19. It's mentioned again also in Revelation chapter 1. But there it says that the Lord is coming back to the earth. And he will establish his kingdom on the earth and sit upon the throne of his father David. That which we read about in Isaiah chapter 11 this morning. The millennial kingdom. Uh, I I wish that we'd have gone on and read uh, chapter 12 of Isaiah. One of my favorite chapters in the Old Testament. In that day. It says in Isaiah chapter 12, I will rejoice, I will praise because of the God of my salvation. But that those are two different phases of what we refer to as the second coming of Christ. The rapture, he comes in the clouds and we are caught up to meet him in the air. In the second coming, he is coming to the earth. As king of kings and lord of lords. And he will establish his throne on a literal throne in the city of Jerusalem. And there he will reign upon the earth in the millennial kingdom for a thousand years. And then this earth will be destroyed and we will have a new heaven and a new earth. And then the new Jerusalem will be established on the earth, on the new earth, and there we will reign or we will live with him for eternity. That is what the Bible lays out. Now the Bible tells us very clearly that the rapture is imminent. What that means is that it can happen at any moment. There are no signs that need to be fulfilled before the rapture. There are many signs that deal with the second coming. With that which will take place at the end of the tribulation period. The seven year great tribulation period. The fact is that there is a time schedule for the second coming. There is no time schedule for the rapture. The fact is that the Lord says that no man knows the day or the hour of the rapture. It is imminent. It can happen at any moment. However, There are indications that the rapture is near. You say, aren't you contradicting yourself? No, I don't believe so. We've just gone through a season of holidays. And now I'm going to mention... Halloween, which is not really a holiday. The word holiday means holy day. Halloween is not that, but it is a celebration in, particularly in our country. And then you have Thanksgiving and then you have Christmas. Now I mentioned those three in this sense that it used to be after Halloween, the stores in our Malls in downtown used to begin to set up their Christmas decorations. Now it is taking place before Halloween. Uh, there are a couple of channels on uh, TV. Uh, particularly the Hallmark Channel and uh, then Lifetime Channel. Who show 24-hour-a-day Christmas movies. Uh, They used to start about Halloween. Now they start at the beginning of November. Or at the beginning of October. Not the beginning of November. The beginning of October. Go all the way through Christmas. Now here's my point. The decorations announce the coming of the Christmas Season and celebration. But you and I know. That Thanksgiving comes in America. Before Christmas. So when we see those Christmas decorations. And we start hearing those Christmas songs. We know Thanksgiving is right around the corner. It's very near. Because it's coming before Christmas is. In that same sense then. As we begin to see things come together that are going to take place during the tribulation period. Before the second coming. We can say to ourselves. The rapture must be right around the corner. If we're already seeing the stage set for the second coming. Now let me be very clear. I am not setting dates this morning. I do not know the date of the rapture. I do not know the date at this point of the second coming. I do not know who the Antichrist is. I'm not even looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. Because the Antichrist will come after you and I are already in glory. So we're not looking for that. I'm not worried at this point about the mark of the beast. However, I see the shadows of the Antichrist kingdom already being developed Which says to me, it more, it more than says to me, it screams at me, be ready, look up, redemption draweth nigh. It is in that sense that I preach to you this morning. We need to be ready. Now, here's, here is a problem that we have. There are many who believe in a pre-tribulation or mid-tribulation rapture. Who focus their attention on this world and the things that are happening in this world. And they are disturbed. They are dismayed. They are fearful about the things that are coming. And my message to them this morning is, let not your heart be troubled. No matter what we may face in the coming year, as long as the Lord leaves us here on this earth, no matter what we face, we can face it with peace and joy we can be at comfort because our protection our provision for life is in the lord jesus christ not in what we possess not in what we can do not in what any any what anybody else can do to us but it is in jesus christ and it is in that sense that i preach to you This morning. Now, let me. uh, Pastor emailed Jansen just before the service and said, Did I have any notes that I wanted to share with the people this morning? Notes? (laughs) Since last night, I've had hardly time to write notes. In the spirit of transparency, I'll tell you this morning. On the way over here from South Lyon, my wife said to me, am I going to hear something that I've already heard you preach before? I didn't say to her, but I thought to myself, I've never even heard it before. How in the world have you ever heard it before? However, I have a a number of Notes from God's Word and scriptures written out that I want to share with you this morning. Um, first of all, if I can find the ones that I'm looking for here, you're going to have to be patient with me this morning <laughs> because we're going to have to hunt and search here. All right. John chapter 16 and verse 33. John chapter 16 and verse 33. Keep in mind the circumstances surrounding these words that the Lord is about to speak. John chapter 16 is now as the upper room discourse is drawing to a close. What is the Upper Room Discourse? The Upper Room Discourse is on the final evening of the Lord's earthly ministry here before his crucifixion. The Lord is preparing his disciples now from John chapter 13 through John chapter 16 with his last words of encouragement. John chapter 14 was part of that. He's trying to prepare them as they see the turmoil and the, what appears to be chaos that is coming. Those events that will shake them to their very core. Those events that will cause them to run and hide in an upper room for fear of their own lives. He's trying to encourage them. Let not your heart be troubled. John chapter 16 and verse 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me ye may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In me, he says, who are those that are in Christ? Those who have been born again by faith. In him and what he accomplished for us on Calvary by shedding his blood on the cross for our sins and then rising again on the third day from the grave to live forevermore as our savior and as our Lord. Let me ask you a question and I want you to answer me. I want to, I want to hear you. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's right. And only those who are washed by the blood of Jesus Christ through faith in him and his atoning sacrifice on Calvary are in him. So he's talking to believers here. my heart's hope is that each one of you in this room this morning are one of those who are in Christ i don't know only you and no only you and Christ can actually know whether you're in him or not let me just get personal for a minute that's how i became born again I was a young boy sitting on my mother's lap. Uh, Keep in mind that um, my dad was a pastor. I'd gone to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday from nine months before I was born to the point that I was sitting on my mother's lap. In, in our home, it was never an option. Uh, my parents never said to me, do you want to go to church today? I, I was just going, that's it. I had a godly heritage. And I was sitting on my mother's lap and I don't, I don't remember the full conversation. I, I, I don't remember what led up to it. But I remember to this day, very clearly, my mother saying, or me saying to my mother, Mother, you know I'm a Christian. And she, in her wisdom, said to me, Son, I don't know whether you're a Christian. Only you And God can know whether you're a Christian. It was at that moment through the ministry and grace of God that the Holy Spirit opened my mind as a young child and I and I realized that I did not inherit salvation. I was not a Christian simply because my dad was a pastor and my parents, my mom and dad both were Christians. My two sisters were Christians. That did not make me a Christian. It was that night that I went to bed. Now keep in mind, I was a young child, preschool young child. I had not committed any grave sin. Now, I've committed plenty of sins at that point, but no grave sins. I was what most people and what my mother called me many times, a good boy. But when I went to bed that night, I realized that I wasn't good enough to go to heaven. I realized through the Grace and ministry of the Holy Spirit in my life. That I didn't inherit salvation. And that I had to make a personal choice to place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And what he did for me on Calvary. In order to be saved. And I asked the Lord that night to be my savior. I don't know this morning where you stand. Can I say to you that if you are not in Jesus Christ, what you face is beyond imagination in its horror. What you face as the Antichrist comes and establishes his kingdom here on earth, I would not wish on any human being. But the truth of the matter is that if you are in Christ, you can live in peace. makes all the difference in the world. In me, he says, you may have peace. Now, I've already clearly and in transparency explained to you where I come from. I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. I believe that before the seven year Tribulation period. The Lord is going to call us if we are alive. Now the truth is, I may get there before you. I uh, had people over the years ask me, do you believe that uh, if I'm a smoker, I can still get to heaven? And the truth is that getting to heaven has nothing to do with what particular sins we may commit or not commit. And my answer to them is, yes, you can get to heaven. In fact, you're likely going to get there sooner. Think about that for a minute it'll soak in. You've heard it before. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, I believe that we're not going to go, if we are in Christ, going to go through that great tribulation. And a lot of people say, oh, that's just escapism thinking. Amen. Praise God. However, what does our verse say? That doesn't mean that we won't know tribulation. The Lord may not come. In the year 2021. Now let me be very clear. He may come today before we're done. He. May come this year. I believe that the stage is clearly being set. But. Let me be clear. God can always reset the stage. God is in control. And he can do anything he wants to. But it seems to me that the Christmas decorations are already on the walls and doors and in the trees. It's near. But that doesn't mean that we're going to miss all tribulation. That's not what it's talking about. The great tribulation... The truth is that the great tribulation is not for the believer. It's not for the church. The great tribulation, if you read Daniel chapter 9 in particular, is for Israel primarily and God's wrath upon the unbelieving world of that time. Now, there's a lot of people who, who get confused about that? What I'm trying to say to you is if the Lord does not come back in 2021, 20, we may face some real severe tribulation, even greater than what we have seen to this point. I read just the other day a little statement. If you allow the government to use an emergency to control us, then the government will create an emergency to control us, to break the law and control us. If you think that things have been tough during this so-called pandemic, if you think that uh, some of our politicians have gone beyond the bounds of Their legal authority. I'm afraid that you haven't seen anything yet. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. Because it's all leading up to that great man of sin. The Antichrist. Who's going to control the world. With an iron fist. Let not your heart be troubled. In me you can have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, the Lord said. We can be prepared for it. But tribulation doesn't need to destroy our joy or our peace. That's the whole point. Because our victory... Our security is found in our Savior, Jesus Christ. In me, you have peace. In the world, you have tribulation. But be of good cheer. There is no reason for us to face 2021 downhearted, discouraged, defeated in spirit. We can be of good cheer if we are in Jesus Christ, no matter what happens to us. Why? Jesus said, I have overcome the world. Because He overcame, He has made us overcomers. Can I just share with you a number of verses here about overcoming and being overcomers? Notice what it says in 1 John. Now, don't try to turn to all these. I already have them written down, and if I wait for you to... Turn to them. We'll be here all afternoon. Uh, so just write them down and look them up later. First John chapter two, verses thirteen and fourteen. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. There is an intimacy of knowledge here that comes with spiritual maturity. Is what John is talking about. He goes on to say. I write unto you young men. Because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children. Because you have known the father. Now that sounds as though that is the same as being a father. The little children and the father both talk about knowing God the father. But the difference is that with maturity, there's a deepening in the relationship and knowledge of God. as we mature in our spiritual life, we don't know we don't just know about God, we know God. there's an intimacy, as I've said, in our knowledge of him in that process of growth in that process process of coming to know him through faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, and then that process of maturing, we find that we gain greater strength against the temptations of Satan. And that's what he's talking about the young men overcoming. But we do not do that in our own strength. We do that in the strength of the one who has overcome the world. Jesus Christ. Our Savior. Verse 14. I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. There's a depth of intimacy and knowledge there. Repeated. I have written unto you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. That's where our strength to overcome the temptations of the wicked one comes from the word of God abiding in us what did the psalmist say psalm 119 thy word have I hid in my heart why that I might not sin against thee you are fortunate to be in this church where the whole counsel of God is taught verse by verse Because the knowledge of God's Word, and not just little portions of God's Word here and there, but the whole counsel of God gives us strength and growth and maturity in our spiritual life. And helps us to be overcomers in this life. First John chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. Beloved do not believe every spirit but test the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world By this you know the spirit of God Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, now listen here, which you have already heard was coming, and is now already in this world. The spirit of Antichrist is growing in intensity In our day and in our time. I can tell you from 75 years of observation and experience. That the spirit of Antichrist is stronger today than it ever has been. And it's only going to get stronger yet in the days ahead. But it's already here. It's one of the Christmas decorations that let us know. Now, if you're at home, please don't switch off your computer. I'm not really getting political, but I'm going to talk about politics here. Uh, can I, can I say to you that, uh, I did not vote for either Joe Biden or Donald Trump. I voted for the policies that were closest to the principles and truths of God's Word. I did not vote either for a Democrat or Republican. I voted for what God says is the way that we ought to be living in order to glorify him. We ought to be living in that way which he has historically in this nation blessed us for. And which we have been running away from. And I want to be very clear. No politician, not even Donald Trump, is the savior of our society and our country. But I believe with all my heart that the hatred of Donald Trump is spiritual in nature. It's supernatural in nature. It's not a reasonable, logical hatred. Why is it that there has been such an effort to get him out of office? First through all of the investigations and the impeachment and, and all of the vile, filthy lies that have been told by our national media. Why has it been so strong? Because he is a voice against globalism. The new world order. The great reset that is coming. The globalist. Those who are part of Satan's program to bring in a one world rule, have to get rid of that voice, that one who is in authority, who stands against that globalism in a way that no modern president has ever done. They had to get rid of him. And it wasn't that they just disagreed with him. They hated him. Why? The spirit of Antichrist is there. I'm not here to defend Donald Trump in every area of his life, in every activity that he's done. What I'm trying to get you to see is that there is something beyond the man that is at play. In our world today. And what it ought to do. Is make us look up for redemption draweth Nile. Just this past week. A newly elected member. Of the ruling body of Israel. Was able to go on the temple mount. And pray. Pray. Why? It's not going to be long, I don't believe, before we see the third temple starting to be rebuilt. Do you realize that they already have all of the pieces of furniture for the third temple made? The golden candlesticks, the golden altar, every piece. They have the plans, they have the Sanhedrin already organized. They have the priesthood already trained. They have a high priest already named and ready to go. Christmas decorations for the second coming. They're excited in Israel those who are Orthodox Jews because they have Red heifers already being born in Israel, which are important for the dedication of the priest and the dedication of the new temple when it's built. I could go on and on and on. I could talk about the technology that will make it possible for government to keep track of us to the point that unless we do what they want us to do, we won't be able to buy or sell. Can I tell you, if you listen carefully what they're saying to you, if you don't get a vaccine for the COVID-19, you're not going to be able to buy and sell. Now, don't jump to conclusions. I'm not saying that the vaccine is the mark of the beast. I'm saying that it is the foreshadow. The technology is there and being developed more sophisticated all the time of tracking every human being on earth and controlling whether we can buy or sell Christmas decorations for the second coming. What am I saying to you? I'm simply saying that as we face 2021, We see the spirit of Antichrist and we begin to see the things that are going to come into play during the tribulation all ready to go to be established. It should not scare us. It should not intimidate us. It should not discourage us. It should not cause us to withdraw and stop being the witness that God wants us to be why because in Christ we have peace and good cheer no matter what takes place in this old world we are overcomers in him revelation Chapter 2 and verse 7. He that hath an ear. Let him hear. What the spirit says. To the churches. To him who overcomes. I will give to eat. Of the tree of life. Which is in the midst. Of the paradise of God. Very similar statements are made in chapter 2, verse 11 of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 17, chapter 2, verse 16, chapter 3, verse 5, chapter 3, verse 12, chapter 3, verse 21. All of them say the same thing. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. He that overcomes. Now listen to me. It's not saying that if we overcome, we will receive these rewards. What it's saying is, those who are truly in Christ Jesus will overcome and receive all of the promises that God has made to Him. We are overcomers. Even though we may go through hard times and tribulations. Brother Wiggins was pointing out Amos' message to the Israelites. The promises to the Israelites were promises that primarily dealt with this world. With this land that they were given. The truth is that ownership of the land of Israel for the Jews was unconditional. God gave it to them. It always belongs to them as long as there is this earth. Occupation of the land is not unconditional. Occupation of the land is conditional. That means you own the land, but you may not always live there. If you don't live the way I tell you to live, God told him, you're going to be scattered. First, they were scattered to Babylon for 70 years, and then they were brought back. At least a portion of them were brought back. And then they were scattered throughout the world, not just to a place like Babylon, but throughout the world. And God promised them over and over again, as we read in the message this morning, or the Sunday school lesson this morning, that there's coming a time when they will be regathered, and the throne will be reestablished. In the city of Jerusalem, the throne of David, and sitting upon that throne will be Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Literally, in a city, the city of Jerusalem, here on this earth. That's not until after the tribulation period, but it's coming. It's been prophesied, and God has kept every promise He's ever made. We've just gone through the Christmas season. And we've talked about the prophecies concerning the Lord's first coming, how they were fulfilled literally. If the promises concerning the first coming were fulfilled literally and specifically, what makes you think that the promises of the second coming won't be literal and specific in their fulfillment the truth of the matter is look up redemption is drawing nigh can I just I know we're way out of time now I I apologize for that but can I just say one thing to you one more thing one more point Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through 22. I'm going to try to really discipline myself not to say a whole lot about it, but there is a point I want to make. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from heaven, revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Oh, how I'd love to stop and preach about that, but can't right now. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven, verse 18, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, verse 19, because that, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God is shown it to them, verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. What I really had intended to preach this morning was without excuse. We are without excuse for not knowing that we are born again and on our way to heaven. We are without excuse for not living the way God has told us to live in His Word, living in a way that brings glory and honor to Him. We're without excuse. We are without excuse for not being ready for the rapture if we're born again. I don't know when it will be. The Bible tells us that knowing, uh, Second Peter actually tells us this, knowing that these things shall come to pass, what manner of men ought we to be? It ought to affect the way that we live. Beloved, whatever we face in 2021, fear not, look up, be ready, redemption draweth nigh, but until it does, trust in God, He will see you through. And not simply see you through. He will see you through with peace and with great cheer. Be cheerful, no matter what happens in 2021. Father, oh, how we thank you for your precious promises in your word. Lord, we live in uncertain times. We never thought we would see many of the things that are taking place in our time right now. And yet, as we read your word, we see that even more intense things are just around the corner. Maybe this year. Lord, I pray that you will indeed help us. To lift up our eyes and look unto the hills from whence cometh our help, knowing that our help comes from you, the one who made heaven and earth. Our help isn't in some politician, some political party, not in so-called science of man's mind, but it is in you. Help us not to fear, but be at peace. And of good cheer. And Lord, if there is anyone in the sound of my voice, whether it is here in this sanctuary this morning or someone in their home who is merely listening by way of live streaming, who does not yet know Jesus Christ as Savior, oh, may your Holy Spirit bring a burden that is undeniable and unresistible conviction of their sin and of their need of salvation. And in Your grace and love, draw them to Yourself, we pray this morning. Oh, we don't know how much more time we have before the trumpet sounds and we're called home. Lord, may every soul And your plan be drawn to you before it is everlastingly too late. O God, we ask for the salvation of souls in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.